Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland, episode one, two, two. That'd be a one, two, good number two. to play for the lottery, the daily lottery, the pick three. Oh. Ken Dworznik, Ted Klopp. Ted, I, I know we don't really talk about sports. Well, we do, but we don't like to. I'm going to be honest. It's tough not to talk about what we saw on Sunday from uh, your team in the orange helmets. That was uh, that was pretty was good. Pretty impressive. Yeah, that's that. That's what you're finally looking for, I think. I got more positive texts and all that. Usually my chat lanes with people are this team sucks. Why do I watch? What am I doing? I can't drink enough, all that. And it was like, wow, look what's happening. Wow, our team is good. Wow, <laughs> it's pretty wild. And then the other factor, too, most times when I've watched that team in, in orange and brown play, then yeah. I'll watch other games and I'm like, wow, those teams look like they're in a different league than we are. They, they play much different. I must say that I watched a lot of the other games this weekend. Our team looks as good or almost better than some of the other teams. So I don't know. I don't know if it's a sign of things to come or whatever, but uh, super exciting. Good for uh, good for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and it's all because of the Schwartz. The well, Schwartz the Schwartz is with you. I love it. That's what I heard. The Schwartz is with them. Uh, I, I like that. I'm that was that was impressive. Not the cleanest played game, but they got it done. And That's all you need to do. Yeah, That's it. get it done. So I, I I know I've mentioned this before. Uh I'm you know fat 51 and out of shape and trying to uh not to put too fine a point on it. Um, you know, trying to, you know, it's it's nice to be able to breathe and things like that. So I have a treadmill here, I'm trying to walk, things like that. And uh oddly enough. My shirt size has moved from a large to an extra large. Yeah. The this morning, I'm putting on a polo, and my wife tosses me a polo in a size large. And I said, large? And she said, well, put it on. I put it on, and she says, okay, take it off. I said, really? It looks that bad? She looks at me, and she says, what month are you due? Oh, my. Wow. What? Month what month are you due? Are you due? Well, yeah, your largest when you when you've grown your body not in the way you want it to. Um, the the largest look like schmediums, and you look like a sausage casing. So there you go. I know it well. Yeah, I need that XL just for that extra room, for sure. Right. That's what I thought. I don't know. Just she loves you though. Yeah. That's how they tell you that they love that's, you. That's how it works. Yeah, that's it. Okay, I appreciate. She it. didn't care. She'd say nothing and just let you run around looking well. Like that. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. That was a rude awakening, but uh, we got a bunch of stuff stuff on the show this week. You want to talk about what's on the show? We can if you'd like to. Okay. Well, we. How many cucumbers can you slice well blindfolded in thirty seconds, Ken? Oh gosh, I have no idea. Well. We got we we got a guy. We're going to tell you who has the record for that. Uh, what's the craziest way you can think of to cross the Atlantic Ocean? Boy, these are great questions. Yeah, we've got the answer for you. We'll have that. Plus, Cleveland sports history, a lesson on the Soldiers and Sailors Monument, and a stock market contest, kind of like fantasy football. We've got that and more coming up. And now, a woman's perspective. Why are good men like parking spaces? The good ones are already taken. This has been a woman's perspective. Ted, time for some good news. I like good news. I know you do, and we all need it. Connor Hulsa. And his dad were fishing for walleye in Minnesota's Lake of the Woods earlier this summer. When Connor felt something heavy on his line, he reeled it in and discovered it was a brown wallet. Inside was $2,000 in cold, hard cash and probably wet as well. 
They let it dry out and found a business card inside along with the cash. The business card was for Jim Denny, a man from Iowa, some 600 miles away. He lost the wallet on a fishing retreat over a year ago. Denny came up to the Moorhead, Minnesota to retrieve the wallet and met Connor. Connor refused any amount of cash inside the wallet, saying it was what any decent person would do. That's pretty nice. There you go. He's right. And that's, that's awesome. Person. Yeah. That's uh, Jim Denny is, is a very lucky man. Cause somebody yes. could have just took that wall and said, forget it, but yeah, not Connor Halsa. He's a man among men. He's, he's a man for others. He is a man for others. And yeah. he provided us with some very good news. See? It is time for another Cleveland history lesson. And so we bring in our Cleveland history expert, John Grabowski. And John, Public Square would not be the same without today's uh, topic. The famous Soldiers and Sailors Monument. Been there for a long, long time. Uh, what's the history? How, wh why is it there? How did it get there? Well, it took a long time to get there, and there were some people who definitely did not want it on the square, um, and so there was issues with fundraising, whatever. It's, it's you know, the whole thing is thanks to a man named Levi Schofield, one of the most famous architects to come from Cleveland. If you know the Schofield building, that's his building. He did structures around the state of Ohio, and uh, he got together the veterans in the in, in Cleveland area got together in the 1870s to talk about building a Civil War monument. Almost every city had one, and uh, that morphed into this, this incredible monument. It's probably the second largest Civil War monument in the United States, and it's on that uh, southeast corner of the square. And it seems like you're right; it's been there forever. Um, but there was pushback, uh, several things. And this this can get to be a complex story. The first monument of Public Square was one of Oliver Hazard Perry, and he initially stood smack dab in the middle of the intersection of Ontario and uh, and uh, Superior. Uh, so, but eventually that got too busy, so they moved him to the southeast corner of Public Square. So, building this monument meant that you were going to have to move Perry, and there were some Perry advocates who didn't want it. Uh, so there was money going on, whatever else. And, and they actually began building it before they got permission. They, they, they fenced off the area, made a construction zone. Um, if you want to learn more about this, and this is a line, uh, Honoring Their Memory is a wonderful new pictorial book done by a great friend of mine, Lauren Pacini. It's a whole story of Levi Schofield, and particularly the monument. But it, it was built, and it was opened in 1894, on July 4th, so it's well over 100 years old. It certainly isn't the color that it was to begin with, given the smoke and dirt and Cleveland, it's been cleaned up. Right now, it's in, under incredible care, but it, it has, you know, those four big statues outside, those larger-than-life bronzes that, you know, honor the artillery, the Navy, the cavalry, and, and, and the infantry in the Civil War. And if you look closely at those uh, those uh, monuments there, those statues, you you can see there, there's an African-American presence in, in the, uh, the naval monument. They're helping load this, the, the mortar. And if you go inside, you'll find the name of all 10,000 people, men from uh, Northeastern Ohio, who Cuyahoga County, who served in the Civil War. So that's there. And there are four huge bronze reliefs there. And one of them honors the women who raised funds for the Sanitary Commission for the Civil War. So it really is a diverse monument that shows the impact of the Civil War. Uh, and if you're, if you're looking, I forget the percentage, the number of people who served in Cuyahoga County was a substantial portion of those who were eligible, really high. So yeah, that's, it's there. There are rumors that the uh, set the Liberty Woman on the top of the monument was uh, basically posed by uh, Schofield's wife. We, you know, I don't know if that's true. I'd have to talk to Lauren about it. There are all kinds of stories you can find, but I think there's only one larger monument and maybe, and maybe in Indianapolis. So go figure, that's that's public square now, but back, back when they were putting it together in the 1880s, 1890s, it took some time to build. Uh, there was pushback against it. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's that is unbelievable, John. What a what a great story. You talked about the upkeep of the statue and all that. Do you know off the top of your head how many times it's been kind of like renovated or fixed up or anything like that throughout the years? I mean, when you have something that that's that old, obviously you're going to have to fix it up. Yeah, I don't I don't have figures, but there was a major renovation that was done recently. And there have been some new additions of members of the U.S. color troops who were not listed there. So those those have been listed. So it does get updated. And it now really has, you know, full time interpreter when you go there. So it's. You know, for many years, that monument was, you know, 60s and 70s, it was kind of on the edge. And people were arguing to move it off of Public Square. And uh, in a, for the centennial, James McPherson, who's written one of the best books on the Civil War battle cry of freedom, came in and, and really praised the monument. Uh, basically said this was, you know, something that the city really ought to be proud of rather than trying to get rid of it. Uh, so, you know, some people, it was dirty, it was filthy. Some people might remember that one of the habits where people put locks on the fence, they used to, so the whole fence was covered with little padlocks at one point. Uh, but but now it's part of the revivified Cleveland Public Square. And it's Interesting. Not, not going anywhere, folks. It's never <laughs> going to go anywhere. Uh, now, now, John, there's, correct me, help me out here. There's a tunnel underneath the monument, or or is that true, or is yeah. it a small tunnel? What's going on there? Those are small tunnels, and I think they're part of the support of the monument. They they don't go anywhere or anything else. I think the interpreter will tell you that, but you know, they're they're the stories of tunnels in Cleveland, and those are legendary. You know, every time somebody finds an underground passage, they will ascribe it to the Underground Railroad or one thing or another, how or how people got back and forth. I'm not totally well tuned on that, but I know there's a lot of what I would call apocrypha about Cleveland tunnels. So they're always trying to dig something new up, you know? Yeah, well, you know, Lauren's book, I have to give a plug for Lauren's book. You guys should buy it. Uh, okay. it's, it's really a labor of love because Lauren himself is a veteran of Vietnam. Oh, okay. Wow. Awesome. Well, there we go. Uh, everything you ever wanted to know about the Soldiers and Sailors Monument in five minutes or less. I can do that in five minutes, says Mr. Grabowski, and so he has. Thank you, John. Ladies and gentlemen, we were out and about Northeast Ohio, spending money, drinking beer, <laughs> having food, and expanding our bodies. Nobody's better at that than myself. And Well... Seems uh, like Ted, you're right with me. Um, how many months are you? Uh, I think I'm like a half month. Okay. So, but soon enough, it'll probably be close to three. Yeah. Well, st speaking on that theme, um, I'm going to only talk about one thing and one thing only. And when I say this word, you'll get excited Oktoberfest. Oh, my. The oh old my. classic in Berea. Yeah. In the Bria Fairgrounds in Bria, Ohio, I took in the Oktoberfest, where you and I used to spend some time together with our families and That's right. drink an ale, listen to music, watch the kids run around, watch them dance, all that fun stuff. So we went on two Sundays ago, which, by the way, which I find extremely interesting about the Oktoberfest, it is now over two weekends. Two weekends. So they have it uh, the weekend of... Labor Day, they have it on the Friday, they have it on Saturday, Sunday, and then they have it on Monday. And then the following weekend, they have it on Saturday and Sunday. Oh. And I, I must report, because my brother worked the Oktoberfest, pouring some beer the most <laughs> recent weekend. He said it was absolutely packed. Yeah. Now, wait, did he pour the beer or drink the beer or a little of one and a lot of the other? Knowing, knowing Tony Dorkowitz, I imagine... <laughs> that he did both so there's no doubt how many times that. did he stick his head under the under the spot <laughs> oh, do a kickstand i have no idea yeah he was serving for a, a guy that was on our podcast aaron words from uh oh yeah from planted flag sure. so i did hear that i think they went through eight kegs of beer just on his own i mean that's a lot of beer so but anyway we took in the Oktoberfest, saw the glockenspiel <laughs> Small the small glockenspiel, had the Schmidt sausage, hot dog, whatever you want to call it. 
it was fun. We had a really good time. So I took the kids and uh, it was great. It was there with Tony and uh, his wife, Erica, and, and all that. It was, it was a lot of fun. So we did that. That was the big highlight. I've been to some cross country meets in Menor. Uh, I went to one in Canton. So we had that in the past couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, food and beverage and all that. It's it's the mo- more of the same. Been through uh-huh. them many different times. So, you know, the place we've been. But uh, yeah, yeah that, was, that was the big highlight for the last two weeks was the Oktoberfest. Sir, how about you? Ken? As you have the smirk on your face, this is going to be good. It's it's hockey, football, and soccer season. Okay. I haven't gone anywhere. Well, can we at least <laughs> give a rundown of the best, you oh, know, the uh, best um, concession stands you, you participated well, in? Uh, we, 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 we haven't had any games yet. We just go for practices. I mean, there's no concession Although, stands at the practices. There's no, some. no. I'm told... I haven't experienced this because we didn't go to the uh, Shaker Heights pool, but I am told that the Shaker Heights pool has the best hamburgers around. Really? So, uh, of course, I'm telling you this after the season, so we'll have to see if it's still the same next year. But, uh, yeah, no, we – oh, well, I'll tell you one place that we went. This is a fun story. So – because we have so many hockey teams in our uh, association, um, we have to use a 6.30 a.m. ice slot that rotates between the teams for practice on Saturdays and Sundays. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, two Saturdays ago, it was my oldest son's turn for the 6.30 a.m. ice on a Saturday morning. Maybe it was a Sunday, Sunday morning. And um, he's been begging me to go to IHOP. Well, we don't have an IHOP near us. So we went to the original pancake house. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The the pancakes are ginormous. They're awesome. Yeah. The bacon, it's like one piece of bacon is like a, a piglet on the plate. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I ordered, I think, uh, bacon, eggs, and pancakes, and I probably didn't need to eat for a couple of weeks. I could probably still still be uh, digesting that. Did you pitch? Did you pitch a complete game, or did you have to tap out? I I think I tapped out. Oh, okay. Yeah, close to a complete game. I think I got into seventh or eighth, but I yeah, think I tapped out. So, but. Big thumbs up to the original Pancake House. We went to the one in Beechwood. Yeah, that's a good. That's that's great stuff. Yeah, yeah. We have the one in uh, in Fairview. So yeah, yeah, that's that's great people. Great stuff. Well, Ted, thanks for spending your hard-earned money. I will need an update on the concession stands for these hockey and football games as we move forward. I I would look forward to hearing who's going to have the best one. And uh, hats off to the people at the Oktoberfest in Berea. Great time. And uh, once again, get out and support your local businesses and, and restaurants. And continue to eat and drink with us and expand your bodies. Blah, blah, blah. 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 Our guest today apparently knows a lot about stocks, which is why we have him on because uh, we don't. But he has a, a website, Stock Showdown. So this is not your typical uh, method of buying and selling and things like that. This is kind of like uh, fantasy football for stocks, but we're going to learn more about it right now. So let's talk with William Anderson. Thanks for your time, sir. Uh, tell us about Stock Showdown. What do we... Am I right? This is kind of fantasy football with stocks. Uh, yeah, Ted. Uh, thanks again, Ted and Ken, for having me on the show. Uh, excited to be here and, and recognizing that you guys are from my hometown of 
of C-Town, Cleveland. So uh, that's where I was born and raised. So excited to be, uh, I, I feel like I'm back, back in my, my, back in my town of Brook Park, Ohio. So thanks boys for having me on. Uh, yeah, a little bit of background on Stock Showdown. Uh, I've always been a, you know, a big proponent of investing in the stock market. And this goes back to my days. I'll reference a, a high school. Maybe you've heard of them uh, on your, on your, uh, over there in Ohio, but I went to school at Holy Name High School in Parma Heights, Ohio, uh, home of the Green Wave. Uh, so that's where I was first introduced to the topic of business in the stock market with, uh, I think, rest in peace. Mr. Bob Gale was my business teacher over there, and he first exposed me to the stock market. And ever since then, I've always been fascinated with it. And, you know, growing up, my father, uh, I was always fascinated with sports. Uh, so I've always had that passion. And in high school, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster, like on ESPN and stuff like that. I was like, oh, that's so cool. I'd love to do something like that. Uh, but fast forward to, uh, you know, back in 2019, I had a student, um, a teacher now in New Jersey, uh, school by the name of Sparta High School, but uh, home of the Spartans. But nevertheless, I had a student back in 2019 come up to me. He's like, Mr. Anderson, can we watch the March Madness basketball tournament in class today? And, you know, I, I, I love the tournament. Uh, I even in high school, you know, back in the day in 1998 or 99, 2000, uh, you know, things were much different as far as accessing the, the games that were taking place at like noon on a, on a Thursday and Friday. So trying to get those updates is vastly different back then than it was today. So uh, immediately I was like, oh, this sounds oh, so cool. I want to put on the tournament myself. But I was like, no, 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 we got stuff to do. So I immediately dismissed this student who who's, by the way, a basketball player. And he really wanted to watch it. And all of a sudden, like I got this idea and I started looking at my whiteboards around the room and I just started drawing brackets all over my whiteboards. But instead of the college basketball teams that were playing in the tournament that day, I just started writing ticker symbols. Uh, stock stock abbreviations all over these brackets. So in, instead of like Duke versus uh, Northeastern or something like that, you'd see like Apple versus Adobe or something like that. And I, I tried to get technology companies with technology companies and consumer defensive with defensive and, and try to keep the industries uh, cohesive. So I just randomly selected off the top of my head all these ticker symbols for these companies. And then I made my students, I'm like, all right, here's the deal. The only way you're going to watch March Madness is if you fill out my brackets and um, we're going to track this stuff. We're going to, we're going to next we're tomorrow, we're going to look at the stock market and we're going to see how did Apple do and how did Adobe do and whoever had the biggest percentage change was going to move on to the next round. And if you pick that, then you got five points or something like that. And we keep doing that until we got down to the championship and the winner uh, who had the most points got, I don't even know what I gave them, like a Dunkin' Donuts gift card or something like that. Um, so that was back in 2019 and it just kind of has evolved uh, to what you see now in front of you with different sports-related competitions. It's got like a sports-like feel to it, but with the stock market. So we have like a portfolio challenge uh, where each week you're going to get a, a different list of companies to select from, and you got to select the companies that you're going to, you think that are going to have the best performance. And you get measured against all of your peers that are doing the exact same thing with the exact same list. Uh, and then you have the bracket challenge where, again, it's very comparable to the March Madness tournament. And then uh, we're instituting this coming school year what was called the fantasy draft. And I've never been a big uh, advocate and proponent of fantasy sports. And I have plenty of friends that do fantasy sports. And I know that it's huge and, and it encompasses a lot of time. So my idea was why don't we get you to do the exact same thing with the stock market? Because then you'll really start to understand and what to look for with these stocks and with these companies. So long-term you have an idea of this is how I want to maximize my wealth down the road. Because if you're doing it for fantasy sports, odds are you're going to lose. I mean, yes, one person wins or two people win or whatever it is, whatever your league you're in, but odds are you're going to probably lose more times than you win. So the, the, the mission behind Stock Showdown is to combine aspects of the stock market with sports in a fun, educational, entertaining way. Well, and this is brilliant, in all honesty, to correlate something with the stock market in a kind of a, a sports type theme. I, I think that's a really good idea. 
how many people are involved with this sort of thing? How many, I mean, you talk about the brackets and things like that. How, how many people do you have involved with the, with the different groups? So, yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, what I devised is I tried to come up with the companies um, that most people would probably recognize. Um, so I stuck right now, and I'm, I'm sticking right now with the largest market cap companies. And market capitalization is just a fancy word for just the size of the overall company, how many shares there are, multiplied by the share price, just gives you the value of the company. So I tried to find the big boys that everybody would probably recognize uh, for the time being. And as the as the con program continues to evolve, I'd like to you know scale it down and look for mid cap and small cap because those obviously uh, pose significant rewarding opportunities as well. Uh, so as of right now, there are 11 major industries in the economy, and I'm not going to roll through all 11 right now. Uh, but again, I encourage your listeners to, to check, out the, uh, check out the website, stockshowdown.com, and that breaks down all 11 industries, basic materials all the way through utilities, and I'm just categorizing them alphabetically. Uh, and then what I did is I took the top 28 companies in each of those 11 industries. Um, so if you want to, you know, do the math yourself, 11 times 28, I think gets you somewhere like around 352 companies or something like that, uh, that are, that encompass the large market capitalization companies that are involved in all the different challenges, uh, that are offered through the stock showdown platform. So as again, like I said, as the continue as the program continues to evolve, I'd like to try to incorporate in the same methodology is the next tier down is mid cap and we take the top mid cap companies, the top small cap companies, et cetera, rather than just giving you this giant list of companies of 5,000 something, uh, whatever the number is. I know it's a very large number of publicly traded companies that you can research. Try to just stay focused on, on a couple hundred uh, for the time being. Wow. What uh, uh, what's the reaction from uh, the, the students still do this? Uh, do you still do it with the students or is this just uh, a web exclusive, maybe, so to speak now? Uh, yeah. So when the program first started in 2019, um, and as we you know, were talking before we got on air, uh, the website has changed. So when I first did this, uh, I just did it through Google Sites because uh, that's all I knew how to build it uh, through. And it's all basically powered by a Google Sheet uh, as I'm, I'm pretty proficient in sheets. And I was able to aggregate all this data and, and feed it into the Google Site. Uh, so my students were initially doing it in 2019 through 2022-ish. Uh, and at the end of 2022 is when I worked with a developer. Uh, thank you, Mohammed, uh, for making this possible. But Mohammed over in Pakistan, uh, and I speak pretty regularly every morning, uh, which is great because, you know, nobody wants to wake up at 4 a.m. except me here on the East Coast. Uh, luckily, over in Pakistan, it's like 1 p.m. in the afternoon. So it, it works really well, uh, our, our schedules. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, we built the stock showdown. Now it's all one word, stockshowdown.com, and built that website now that students across the country uh, can access now. The goal uh, this school year is to get into more schools, not just offer it to my students, uh, but offer it to students across the country uh, to participate in these weekly, monthly, and quarterly competitions. That's very cool. My question for you. And by the way, you're talking to two guys. Don't hold this against us. You're talking to two guys that went to Ignatius. I actually worked for Padua High School for four years. So don't hold oh, that against me. That's big rivals there. Dude. We're in the same conference again, by the way. So yeah. things are the world is back together. And My congrats. Padua beat Holy Name last week. So they congrats did. To the they, had a, they had a big win. We won't talk about what happened the following week. It was not so good. So <laughs> that's okay. That happens in football. So. Question for you, being in education, what is it that you've learned the most putting this together? What is it that you've seen from people that have participated, students have participated? What is one thing as an educator, we're always learning. So what is the one thing you've learned the most about putting something like this together? Oh, <laughs> I think uh, I could answer that question from two different perspectives. Uh, one from an entrepreneurial perspective, as far as the frustrations at times, um, and I guess managing expectations as far as what I have envisioned in my head and trying to translate that 
to other people um, and other stakeholders to share that same vision. Um, and that they understand it as well. And that was one of the things, you know, getting started with uh, my dear Muhammad over in Pakistan is, you know, not to say that there's a significant language barrier, but at times there were, um, but a cultural uh, barrier as well as here in the United States, it's just like, to me, and maybe it's again, the way I grew up, it's just like common, common knowledge, like, here's the March Madness basketball, you know, bracket in the tournament. And, and this is these, these major sports here in the United States. And like, here's these playoffs in a regular season. And just like, it's just second nature uh, to a lot of us here in the United States, but to try and then translate that and explain that to somebody uh, across the, uh, across the world, who, you know, didn't grow up, with that same, you know, education, that that was definitely a definitely a hurdle and took some time trying to get on the same page. Uh, but I think, you know, patience uh, has definitely paid off. Uh, and, 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 and proper communication is trying to explain it the best way I can. So that was definitely something I learned, uh, with this entrepreneurial journey is, is managing and setting those clear expectations, uh, with people that, you know, might have, again, a cultural, uh, difference uh, with yourself. As far as the education with the students, um, what I've noticed, um, you know, is the level of interest in in the enthusiasm that goes with it. And I, I try to bring that enthusiasm. Uh, you know, what I li li like to do is because, like I said before, truth be told, I wanted to be a broadcaster in high school. And, and I wanted to be on ESPN. And then when I got into college, I was like, all right, now I'm going to study business. Oh, I love what they're doing on CNBC. I could do that. Maybe I want to be on CNBC and be a broadcaster. So really what this has also allowed me the opportunity to do is do podcasts and YouTube videos where basically I'm giving like a play-by-play -play breakdown of like, all right, here are the weekly matchups. Here are the weekly companies that are in this, uh, this week's competition. Here's the bracket challenge and kind of give like a play-by-play -play of what to look for with this matchup and why I think this team's going to be sick or this company's going to be successful over this one. Uh, so I think that energy and that enthusiasm and that, you know, play-by-play dialogue has really gotten the kids on board uh with their level of enthusiasm as well that's very cool that's awesome cool. so here's maybe the most important question how's your portfolio since you started doing this <laughs> uh you know this you know to me has definitely allowed uh, to, to educate myself too, with companies that were, you know, rather obscure to me, you know, I said before, you know, you're taking 352 companies from the, from the largest industries in the economy. And of course we all know the bellwethers off the top of our head, but, but some of those that are in that top list and we're talking mid cap and small cap companies as well, this has definitely opened my eyes to other opportunities, uh, that are out there that I didn't really pick up on, uh, initially, when I began the investing journey myself. Do you compete in the brackets? I mean, do you put yourself in there and compete against obviously we're students or others? Do you, do you do that at all? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. You got to have bragging rights somehow. Oh, yes, I, absolutely. I Tell them how it's done. Yeah. Well, I think that gets them to buy in too. Is like, uh, you know, every, every day, you know, during the competition, I'd pull up the leaderboard and it's kind of like, all right, put up or shut up. Let's go. You got to yep. take me down. So yep. That's um, awesome. I, I think they, uh, they all want to try to take me down. So. Oh, of course. Any, anytime <laughs> you could try to beat your teacher in anything, it's just like, yeah, that's the way to go. Oh, good for you. Really, really cool concept. This is impressive. I love it. It's awesome. Well, give us the website one more time. And, um, you know, if you want folks to follow you on social media or anything, do you post about uh, how things are going? Uh, yeah, I mean, once the school year begins again, uh, I'm, I'm much more regular uh, posting uh, on all the platforms, Instagram, uh, not so much. Well, yeah, Facebook, because they're both connected, obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do a lot of the podcasting through Spotify. Uh, so they can follow on Spotify as well, on Twitter, uh, on LinkedIn as well. It's all done through uh, Stock Showdown, uh, one word. Uh, and of course, the website, stockshowdown.com. 
but we try to, again, I'll, I'll be more regular in the posting as the school year is about to begin as well, as far as these updates and the live feeds. Uh, ultimately, what I'd like to do is kind of mimic what College Game Day does uh, with its weekly, like, let's go to a school and get people excited about these particular games. Uh, ultimately, we'd like to do this school year is uh, have on different schools across the country and go to a school and basically interview those students and kind of you students give me your takes on what you are looking for in the week ahead for these different matchups and things like that. All right. Well, uh, sir, thank you very much. And uh May the best stock portfolio win, I guess. Yes, looking for the first uh, the first challenge, ladies and gentlemen, be be on the lookout. We do these on quarterly basis, so be on the lookout. October the second uh, will be when the next competition uh, goes live. So uh, get your research done and and everything you need to prepare yourself uh, between now and October second for the next round of competitions to begin. Awesome! Thank you very much. Thanks there, Ted. Thanks there, Ken. And uh, good luck to your Indians. I think they can make a run. Oh, gosh. I, <laughs> <I hope. laughs> All right. At least for the Browns, there's always this year, right? There's always next year. Yes. Yes. We'll Only see. we can kick a field goal. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll good see. luck. Good luck to you guys. Thank you very much for having me on and uh, looking forward to hearing the show when it goes out. Overachiever time, Ken. A Pennsylvania man went to the movies 777 times in a one-year period. That got him the Guinness World Record. These are, these are feature-length films, just so everybody's, we're all in the same. Oh, I want to make sure what movies we're, we're watching. Going okay. to the, that place off the highway that says adult. I don't think yeah, that's, that's that, okay. We're talking no. about regular movies, gotcha. <laughs> regular movies. All right. Now employees at the Regal cinema, the 32 year old Zach swoop went to monitored him during screenings to make sure he was following rules that were set by Guinness. Those rules included not taking bathroom breaks and not having any snacks or beverages during the films. Why the heck would you do this then? He says he would see up to three movies after work on weekdays and squeeze in more during the weekend. He started his quest with Minions Rise of Gru and finished with a showing of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. The movie he saw the most times? Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. 47 Viewings. <laughs> I, the previous record for this was 715 set in 2018. So this guy made this effort, contacted Guinness, said, I'm going to do this. And they told him what to do. And then he went out and did it. Which, I mean, I admire the planning and whatnot, but uh, I, I don't know. If I made I, a movie... I'm I'm gonna it's like out and about. I'm gonna enlarge my body. Right. You're gonna have enjoyment with it. Yes. And there's no chance. There's very little chance, I should say. Might not no chance, but what are the odds that either of us are gonna make it through a two hour feature length film with a soda and not step out to go to the bathroom? Come on. No, it's highly unlikely. Yeah. That's 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 I I'll be honest, say hats off to him. He he yeah. saw seven hundred and seventy seven movies, but I think towards the end. It seems like he was just watching movies as opposed to for enjoyment, just to get the record. I wonder I'm if sorry, I, I've seen Puss in Boots. That's great. It is a good movie. I'm not, not watching it 47 times, 47 times. Do you think they had to check to make sure he was awake for all 777? I don't know. I, I guess maybe we try to reach out to this guy oh. and, and try to have him on because in all honesty, I. It sounds like he gets up, goes to work and then. His as Let's soon as he's movie. done with work, he's looking at move going to movie theaters and, and watching movies. So what if he got I, a discount for doing all this? Can't, can't yeah, how about that? I can't imagine the guy's married. I mean, uh, when would he have know. time? I don't know. Wow. Well, Ted, we do have another overachiever. Oh, and this one is is a little bit different. 
Okay. It's a Canadian chef broke a Guinness World Record by chopping 166 slices of cucumber in 30 seconds while blindfolded. <laughs> Standing on a, a pogo stick with his, Wa with his left foot. Wallace Wong got it done and claimed the record of, on an episode of the Guinness World Records Italian TV show. So this guy's just chopping away, blindfolded. Could have took out a finger, but doesn't care. And <laughs> cut 166 slices of cucumber huh. in 30 seconds. Now here's my question. Yeah. Is this multiple cucumbers? I mean, I don't I, I guess maybe I have to ask a, a food person, how many slices can you get out of a cucumber? That has to be multiple cucumbers, right? I I don't know. I I'm not up on my cucumber slicing. I got to tell you. Well, I, maybe we have to. It's another one we have to talk to, we Mr. Can, Wong. Well, I I tried to get him on the show this week, but uh, Wallace Wong tried to get him on. Unfortunately, I wang the Wong number. Oh my! Well, we're gonna have to get more information. Once again, another Guinness World Record. They stare at people when they watch movies to make sure they don't eat and drink to make sure the guy actually watched seven hundred seventy-seven movies, and then. We got some guy who's blindfolded chopping cucumbers. Chopping in 30 cucumbers. seconds. 166, 166 slices. My gosh. If that's not overachieving, I don't know what it is. Cleveland! This is for you! It's time for the professor of sports specifically Cleveland sports, Dusty Sloan to join us. Dusty, we're going to dip back again. September 6, 1946, All-America Football Conference begins regular season play as the Cleveland Browns beat the Miami Seahawks 44 to nothing before a sold-out crowd, I believe, of 60,135 at Cleveland's Municipal Stadium. Talk about that pounding that the Browns gave the Miami Seahawks, not the Seattle Seahawks, the Miami Dolphins, the Miami Seahawks. Yes, yeah, so the old All-American Football Conference, the first game that the Browns have ever played. Obviously, people know the history that the Cleveland Rams moved out to Los Angeles in the NFL, and the Browns took their place in the AAFC. And the Browns won all four AAFC championships before moving on to the NFL. But this first ever game, 44 to nothing, like you said, in front of 60,000-plus people. And, again, it's the names you know. Lou Groza, Dante Lavelli, Otto Graham. You just go on and on and on. And the weird thing about this, now remember, we're talking about 1946. The game was a little different back then. The Browns had six different guys attempt to pass, and the Miami Seahawks had seven different guys attempt to pass. So there was a lot of uh, different types of play back then than what you see in 2023. That is uh, uh, interesting. Uh, why, why so many guys throwing the ball? Well, I think back then, yeah, you had the quarterback, but you also had what was called the halfback, which was a runner, but also what could be a thrower. So even when you had a quarterback like Otto Graham, who, remember, in 1946 was a rookie, he wasn't Otto Graham, quote-unquote, at that point yet. And there was a lot of chicanery back then and a lot of different formations. So – uh, guys who were running the ball were also going to throw the ball quite often. So is this the beginning of the dynasty, really, Dusty, in, in 46? I mean, they had a heck of a run after that. But would you say this is kind of the start of this? Yes, this was the jumping off point. And again, winning championships every year that the AAFC existed. And um, again, they also were the ones that integrated professional football. When you talk about Marion Motley, he was in this game, caught a 35-yard pass, five carries, 19 yards. But they were so good that they had, not only did they have six guys attempt to throw the ball, they had, it looks like about a dozen players run the football. So they had, plus Paul Brown, obviously, as head coach. So they were far and away better than any team in the AAFC. And then when they went in the NFL, even though the NFL didn't know it and didn't think it was going to be the case in the early 50s, they were head and shoulders ahead of the NFL as well. Unbelievable that uh, the uh, th that it all started uh, right around this time, right as they come in. Um, you got any insight on? Uh, I mean, is it as simple as the Seahawks moved to Seattle, or 
Is there anything else uh, with regard to that, uh, the name of that franchise? No, that's that's purely coincidence because the Seahawks were an expansion team in the NFL with the Buccaneers in 1976. Um, in fact, Miami Seahawks only spent one season in 46 there before they moved to Baltimore and became the Baltimore Colts, which eventually went into the NFL. So no connection between the Miami Seahawks and the Seattle Seahawks. Very I didn't good. Think there was, but it, I thought it was a bit of a coincidence. But Dusty, it's always good to have you on, so you could reaffirm that sometimes we don't know what the heck we're talking about. So <laughs> thank you for that. Well, thanks, Dusty, guys. thanks for the time once again. All America Football Conference, a forty-four to nothing pounding, and I mean a pounding of the Miami Seahawks. It was such a pounding that they couldn't even keep those two names together anymore. So, Dusty, thanks again. Appreciate it, guys. Cleveland. This is for you! The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. All right, Ken, here we go. Cops in Nebraska got a call about a vehicle with a cow inside rolling through Norfolk. Oh, my. They responded and discovered that it wasn't a cow. No, it was a it was a full size bull riding shotgun. <laughs> the bull is actually a celebrity in his hometown. The bull's name is Howdy Doody, and he appears in some parades and such. Lee Meyer is Howdy Doody's owner, and Mr. Meyer was given a warning, but he did not receive a a he did not receive a moving. A violation. Oh, boy. There we go. <laughs> there we go. That's a lot of bull. What, what are you doing? I don't... I saw... Did you see the video for this? Did you see yeah. this guy did driving around this? this? It's like a convertible, okay? <laughs> he's got the bull in there. Well, then... I mean, I'm not trying to be too descriptive here, but there's stuff all flying all over the place. Stuff. Yeah. Stuff of the uh, darker variety, of the yeah. brown variety. Okay, yeah. The poor bull. I, I can't imagine yeah. that's how he wants his life to be, driving around in some convertible. No, I'm gonna go with. To go to I think you're correct on that. My gosh, come on. A Florida ultra marathoner is in hot water. Well, he was in cold water. Now he's in hot water. He apparently tried to cross the Atlantic Ocean in a homemade hamster wheel. Investigators say this is at least Ray Bellacci's fourth attempt to cross the Atlantic like this. This one ended about 60 miles off the coast of South Carolina when the Coast Guard found him floating in the wheel. He had previously been told the vehicle was unsafe. He's now facing several federal charges. Oh, well, there you go. Shocker. That's that's surprising. They told you don't do it. You do it anyway. And then and you then get charged. It's your fourth time. So, yeah, you're you're going to get you're going to do some time. If I'm crossing the Atlantic Ocean, it is surely not going to be in a homemade hamster wheel. My hey, uh, a Chicago news crew was out shooting a piece on a string of robberies around 5 a.m. a couple weeks ago when they were robbed at gunpoint. Oh, my. Three masked men stole, stole their camera and a few other things. Oh. Uh, the footage was in the camera, so the story <laughs> never aired. Police are Oh, jeez. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> How bad's the crime in Chicago? You can't even do a news story on it. Oh, my gosh. That's brutal, man. You know that's not going to be the the last time that's going to happen, by the no, way. No, no. Oh, oh my. Wow. Uh, sports at the U.S. Open a couple weeks ago. Ten tennis wasn't the only headline. Eighth-seeded Maria Sakari? Sac Sakari? I don't know. I think it's Sakari, yes. Time out. There was a uh, guy I used to work with years ago at WKNR. He, he was a news guy, and they would have him fill in on 2020s. And it was like they made him fill in every time there was a tennis tournament with all the folks from out of the country. And he could not say any of these names. And oh so my. we would wager how many names he would mispronounce in a given update. So anyhow, this uh, eighth-seeded player 
was playing on court 17 at the U.S. Open, and she was losing. Uh, she complained of an overwhelming smell of pot. Another player said court 17 smells like Snoop Dogg's living room. <laughs> <laughs> the tournament conducted an investigation, but they have yet to <clears throat> weed out the source of the smell. Weed it out. I love it. <laughs> love it. Snoop Dogg's living room. That is outstanding. That that pretty well sums it up. Snoop a loop. Yep. I'm Ted Klopp. That's news to me. Ted, why couldn't the bicycle stand up by itself? Hmm, I don't know. It was too tired. That joke was horrible. We're coming to the end of episode number 122. Do we have any famous 22s we need to... Wasn't Felix Wright 22? Felix Wright was 22. Okay. Yes, he was. Uh, 22 for the Indians... Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Do you have a 22 for the I Indians? I think I might. Hold, no, not the... I might have one for the Cavs. Oh, well, I think I know who 22 for the Cavs is. Larry Nance! My, my favorite basketball player of all time from Clemson. <laughs> I love that guy. Classic. And nothing better than Howie Chiswick calling that basket. Oh, my gosh. 22 for the Tribe. I can't... Uh, nobody's coming to mind. I'm Probably sure there's somebody. Is, I'm, I'm sure there's been some. There talk. has to be somebody. Yeah. Uh, did you? By the way, do your kids uh, at school? Do they have safety patrol? Do they participate in that activity? We did at a younger age. Where we went to a safety patrol class, but we. I don't know if. if but you they don't. Have they don't like hold that. the out or the crossing. Oh, you're talking about that? The crossing yeah, yeah, guards. Yeah. yeah, my daughter's done that. I don't know yeah. if my son did or not, but my daughter's done that previously. My oldest son. You got to be in sixth grade to be a part of the safety patrol. So okay. that started on Monday. And I always, I'm driving home at the same time they're getting out of school. And so I usually call to, you know, how'd the day go? And just to get them, hey, here's what's coming up the rest of the day. Here's what we're going to do. We got to do homework. Just making sure that they're, they know what's going on. Yeah. So I call my son, uh, first day on safety patrol. I got him on the phone. And I said, I want to know how many kids were injured or maimed at today's dismissal from school. That's that's good parenting right there. My my application for father of the year will include that particular question to my son who said, nobody, daddy, you're not funny. That I'm the funniest guy on the phone right now. No, you're not. I mean, it can make it to a point they might not allow him to do that because of that questioning. Somebody's going to find out from school. <laughs> That's classic. Does he does he enjoy it? Um, I I think so. You know, he so there's pretty much two areas where they patrol. They do the parking lot or they do the front of the school where the buses okay. pick people up. So he's been in the parking lot so far, and um, it's for 15 minutes after school. So it's pretty simple. Um, I don't know. He hasn't, if there've been any incidents where he's had to, uh, uh, you know, pull a kid back or tell a kid that, uh, he, he, uh, the kid's doing something wrong or unsafe. He hasn't shared that with me yet, but I'm looking forward to, I can't wait for that. Yeah. Then I'll see, I'll say, now, you know how I feel. Do you go through the line as well? And then when you see him doing the, the crossing guard stuff, do you blow the horn at him? Because that's what I do. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did one time with one of my friends. No names, please. My wife is the one who normally kids. does the pickup, but I got to tell you, that is reason enough to leave work early. Just Oh, to yeah. Light it up. Yeah. You want to do this? You're going to have to deal with some consequences here. You're going to have to hear a horn. I did that to one of my buddy's kids one time. I kind of laid on the horn a little bit. I think everyone in the line, and I think the teachers stand outside. They looked at me cross-eyed, and the kid looked at me. 
and he just smiled and I just kind of waved and moved along. But yeah, yep. classic. You got to have fun, great. man. Light it up. Yeah. Light it up. Make it. I should use one of our work vehicles to do that. The unmarked white van. Had to be. Oh, good. gosh. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That'd be add a whole extra layer to that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hey, What's Ken, that? we have a. I'm going to bet we have a good guest next week. <sighs> we do. <laughs> we really do. So I'd like to announce that we uh, I've befriended a gentleman by the name of John Ryan. Um, he is a handicapper. Um, he basically handicaps different games. But in all honesty, the thing that's really cool about him, it's done in a different way. He uses a database with all these different algorithms and all that. It's It's pretty impressive. John was supposed to join us this week. We interviewed him. We're going to be very honest with you. This is how we do things. We interviewed him. We had a computer failure. We just it's did. A great 20 minute interview. He, he was outstanding. It's some of the he best. I mean, both of us were, were really into it. He gave us yeah. great information. And what, 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 so do, what happens? The oh. computer crashes. Computer didn't uh, save. Yeah. But we'll, we'll have John on again. And we like to announce that we will be having the John Ryan play of the week. Uh, John and I have known each other for the past three years. And his story is, it's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, the, the guy is a 22 year survivor of a rare blood cancer um, where he basically was told at one point in time he had six to 12 months to live. And he's kind of taken that and basically turned it into helping people and turning things positive. And in all honesty, he's a really good handicapper, a very nice man and very, um, very analytical, as you and I have found out when we were interviewing him. He's done it for 28 years and. Um, his philosophy is he changes sports betting into an investment strategy, um, basically promoting safe betting and and basically betting with your head and not over it. Um, he's had great success. So the first week of the college football season, he went nine and three. Um, he also uh, over the last three seasons, he's 76 and 36 in football against the spread, winning 68 percent of his games. <clears throat> Hats off to the guy. So I think you watch games this week. How many people you think bet on Detroit? to win on Thursday against Kansas city. Uh, a, a very small percentage. Small amount. Yeah. He I'd be willing to game. bet that the majority of their zip codes were in the greater Detroit area. Well said. So he had the outright winner in that game. And then the hmm. Monday night game, which was just crazy to end the game on a punt return in overtime. John Alsel picked the New York jets against the spread in that game. So, hmm. So far for this year, he's done very well. He's won 64% of his bets against the spread over the last season, last three seasons in NFL football. And if anybody does any type of betting or knows anything, it's a 50-50 shot. Let's be honest. One team can win, one team can lose. Anything can happen. But John has basically put himself at a percentage of 64%. So very well done. He's got a ton of followers on Twitter, a ton of YouTube videos that you could find him. Um, you can find his stuff at John at John Ryan sports one on Twitter. And then the name of his sports handicapping site is predictiveplaybook.com. John gave us a play for this week. Ted, I know this is one that you're going to be placing your bet. Colorado. On. It's the Colorado you know, game. The Colorado game is correct, but where yeah. he, he recommends taking the opposite team, which would yes. be Colorado state right now, as we talk on, Tuesday afternoon, the spread is 23 points. Hey, so that's that's nothing to lose a toe over. That's <laughs> so his recommendation is to take Colorado State plus the 23 points against Colorado. We will have a play from John each podcast during the football season, and we will have John on again to talk about his story and why he's so successful in sports betting. So so there you go. Very exciting stuff. Working with a friend and helping him out and uh, helping out too. You know, we all can use a little bit more money in our pocketbooks and John's going to have plays for us. Very exciting. Awesome. Awesome stuff. John's got a great story and I'm looking forward to hearing it again. So what, what do you got coming? <laughs> <laughs> just, just throw that in there. That's uh, good. I mean, what are you going to do? Technology I, is technology. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. Just, anything can happen. We what, got the uh, uh, preseason scheduling meeting for hockey on Saturday. And then, oh my! Then uh, games are gonna preseason games are gonna start, baby. Ladies Game and gentlemen, on. we'll be live. We will Game be live on. from Shaker and many other ice rinks across Northeast Ohio. In your season, once again, I like to enjoy or like to tell everybody 
you basically start in October, correct? Uh, the preseason starts September 22nd. Okay. The regular season starts uh, October. Oh, well, November, the first weekend in November. The pre- you go until April? The regular season meeting is the 29th, 28th. You're going to April, correct? March. March. That's a long season, man. It's a long season. It's a long season. How are we doing in football? What's our football update? Would we have a record? We are, uh, uh, let's see, sixth grade is one and two. Fifth mm. grade is two and one, I believe. What's the team that won like 50 to six or whatever? That's the sixth grade team. They haven't won again since then. They used up all their points the first week. I don't know. Too soon. That yeah. happens. Yeah. It happens. He's too early. Yep. I've been uh, taking it cross country. My son actually, he'll be running in Louisville, Kentucky, which is super exciting. Uh, yeah. Overnight trip. He actually ran a very good race last week uh, when he ran in Seneca East. So he's been having a lot of fun. And then we are starting dance season mm. this week. The dance is starting. The dance. What is that? Is this competitive dance. dance? What does that mean? It is uh competition dance. This is your daughter. My daughter's doing this. Yeah. And she did some last what? year through Dance Excel and she's doing it again in Medina. So she's is very excited. LA? What kind of dance is it? It's a combination of a bunch of different things. Oh. Hip hop and they do some a bunch of different dances. She was in seven or eight different performances the last show that I, I saw. So now is she performing as an individual or part of a group? Part of a group. Part of yes. a group. Okay. And then they go to these team competitions. There's like, mm. I think four of them, four or five that they have sometime next year. So, yeah, Good. there we go. There right. we go. I'll but, be like you. I'll, I'll be reporting. I, we have to go to Pittsburgh, Canton. I think we go to Youngstown. I can't remember where else we go. So, it's some overnight trips. I have I have five hockey bags in my car right now. Why do you have five? Are you and Erica playing hockey as well? No. That's nice. I have two kids who play both goalie and skate. Oh, so they have the to have two older bags. ones. Gotcha. Okay. And it's just either the stuff won't fit in one bag. So I have it organized. So they have a skater bag and a goalie bag. And then my youngest, okay. he played goalie last year at the might level. That's the young level. Yeah. He's a first year squirt this year. And I okay. said, hey, buddy, do you. Are you interested? Do you want to try goalie this year? And he looked at me and he said, "Well, Daddy, how uh, how how hard do they shoot the puck?" And I said, "Okay, I got my answer. Thank you." There you go. That's what you wanted to know. Yep. How hard do they shoot the puck? Who? How hard do they? Son is this now? What? Uh, that that would be uh, the nine year old. Okay, gotcha. Nine year old. Yeah. So he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to play. I don't think he's going to be in the net too much. Okay. Unless he changes his tune. But the other two are, correct? The other two are in the net periodically and okay. uh, skating as well. Very exciting. Yeah. I, I hope for a successful season. Let's focus on one season at a time. Let's get some wins in football. It's, that'd be nice. Who, who are we playing this week? Who who we got on the docket? Oh, uh, hold on. Let me go to the old outlook. I calendar. might be able to give you a preview or something like uh, yeah, that. Yeah, well. Uh, scouting report. The, uh, so, let's see. The fifth grade team is going to be taking on St. Hillary on Saturday. Good seats still available. Is that a home the, game or are you away? That is a, I don't know how they designated it. That That's at uh, um, the old St. Greg's. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, and then on uh, Sunday, the uh, sixth grade group is going to be playing uh, Holy Family at Archbishop Hoban High School Stadium. You're going to play Holy Family in Akron. That's correct. Okay. Yep. Got to travel all the way to Akron to play Holy Family. Holy Family. Yeah. yeah. That makes no sense. I don't know why. That's that field availability. That's yeah. the way it works. I know that Holy Family program has always been pretty strong. They've always been very good in CYO football. So they'll be they'll be bringing the uh, they'll be bringing the wood. Da, They're ready da, to da, come da, get some. Da, 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 da. Exciting. Playing eight minute eight minute quarters. Is that what you're playing? Um, ten. Sixth grade plays a ten minute quarter with a running clock. The fifth grade plays a eight minutes running clock. Say those that that clock moves pretty quick. In a lot, the only time it stops is if there's an injury or a score. That's good. So it's safe. But it's fun to watch the uh, 
the referees do the you know like the the um the play is stopped and they make the motion like stop the time yeah and they don't stop the time because they're not supposed to right. and then when they actually watch you to stop the time there's this fierce yes. move like this <clears throat> it's very confusing and usually the clock doesn't stop when it's supposed to do you have involvement in these games are you part of the chain gang or anything like that i was at part of the chain gang for the fifth grade game this past week and the sixth grade game in the uh, 50 to six, 54 to six game. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I need to be on the chain gang again. Yeah. I mean, you just answered your own question. Get yeah. back on the chain game. And I'm undefeated as a chain gang member. How? So what do you do when the other team has the ball? You, you hardly pull the chain out. And then when the, when your team has the ball, you, you kind of move it in. Is that what you're doing? As, you as I said to my oldest son, who is the, was on the chain gang. He's a sixth grader doing the chain for the fifth grade. I said, uh, when we have the ball, it's first and nine and a third. So, yeah, that's how it works. Oh, my. Well, special thanks to our guests, John Grabowski, Dusty Sloan. Special thanks to William Anderson, Cleveland native, by the way. Very cool. That was kind of really fun to catch up with somebody uh, went to holy name high school and uh, yeah. he's got a really good idea when it comes to the stock market and making it like uh, almost like a fantasy football type of thing it's very cool and uh well we tried to have john ryan on but our technology was <laughs> shitty so let's be honest hey can't say that. <laughs> you can't say that on live radio yeah so john we'll have john on soon and once again thanks for his pick of uh colorado state over colorado this coming saturday well, hopefully everybody enjoys the fall. We're there, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. We're almost at the end of uh, September. We'll be approaching October. The leaves will be changing, but don't you worry. And don't forget, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions. <laughs>